Good evening, everybody. Huge Pop Wrestling Pet fans. This is your host, Huge Pop. Tonight, I have the current reigning CWF Christian Wrestling Federation heavyweight champion from Texas. He calls himself the most accomplished CWF heavyweight champion in history. It is Mr. Ryan Hart. Welcome to the show, Ryan. How, how are you doing today? Thank you. Thank you, Scott. I appreciate it. Glad to be here and glad to represent the Christian Wrestling Federation all the way from the Rockwall area of Texas, which is Dallas-Fort Worth Metro. Nice, nice, nice. So I'm going to start out asking you this question. Um, you got that belt that you talked about. You call yourself the most accomplished CWF champion in history. Talk to me about uh, July, June 17th and that accomplishment. And what, how does that, how did that feel that day? So we, uh, there's been a back and forth battle between Johnny Lawless and I for really quite some time, but it kind of got put on pause for a little bit. Uh, right after we came back from the pandemic and we started our shows back up and uh, he, he went after the belt against our, our current champion at that time, Barrett Brown. And, uh, you know, finally it kind of came up where after they told their story, I, I got my turn, you know. And so uh, this past December, uh, in our cage match show, I went one-on-one -on -one with Johnny Lawless and was able to be victorious. Um, and, and as I said before in the promo, you know, I'm not the biggest or the baddest, but I've been around long enough. I, I can outsmart plenty of guys. And so I outsmarted him then, won the belt. And then pretty much since then, it's been – uh, between me and Johnny Lawless and another one of our wrestlers, Aaron Eagle, we've we've traded the belt back and forth a few times. And so it finally built up after we had a triple threat match in May uh, between the three of us at our anniversary show um, where Johnny Lawless had won the belt back. And so then, then we had to kick the stakes up even higher. And so when we started that show in June, uh, I, uh, I had a plan in mind from the very beginning. And so uh, I put out there, I said, you know what, you're, you're a pretty tough wrestler. You take on everybody. I don't take anything away from you. So I, I imagine you don't quit, right? There's no quitting you, Johnny Lawless. And so I proposed we had an I quit match. Um, he didn't want my tag team partner, the guardian to be at ringside because he knows, he knows what we're about. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I wouldn't be, I'd be lying if I said that wasn't a part of my plan. Uh, but I still had more pieces to that plan. And so he could take away the guardian and that's fine. Uh, Jesus freak Rob Vaughn stepped in and, and he added one more before we spent all night long going back and forth and said, you guys are done doing this. Whoever wins tonight, you don't get to challenge the other for the belt ever again. So that's what it all boiled down to. And, and all the while, all I had to do was be tough enough to last to see my plan out and my plan worked perfectly. And all that it came down to was I was begging and pleading for my life in that moment. I will say anything you want me to say, Johnny. What do you want me to say so I can end it now? And he uttered the words, I quit. The uh, bell rang, and I am once again the CWF champion. There you go. There you go. You're smart, man. So I'll, <laughs> give you, I'll give you that credit. I'm not going to say nothing about Johnny Lawless because I don't know what he'll say. But so. <laughs> um. When did you find yourself loving the sport of professional wrestling? So back when I, around 93, I was in middle school, I think sixth, seventh grade. And uh, my, I, I can't remember what had happened, but I missed out on something. I was, I was gone and, and I found out that my sister got to watch a wrestling uh, VHS pay-per-view that my, my dad had rented. And so um, when I found out I missed out on it, he rented it again. I got to watch it. And pretty much from then is where, where it started me becoming a fan. 
Um, but it didn't take long. I, I want to say six months because I was all in. I was getting action figures. I was subscribing to the magazine. I was all about the World Wrestling Federation. And we went back and watched, rented and watched everything in succession that was on the shelf uh, at Blockbuster. And, and I got all caught up. And before the end of that year, we ordered our first pay-per-view. But like I said, within six months was where like it wasn't enough. I had everything memorized. I was memorizing the entrances, you know, where they're from and, and their weight. Um, but then it, it's just like reading interviews in that magazine. I was like, I wanted to know more. I wanted to know what was behind it. And so that's where that spark started that, uh, of a dream of becoming a professional wrestler. And, and I remember there being an interview with Shawn Michaels in, in one of the magazines and he was talking about how, you know, fighting with his parents about having to go to college. And so I kind of felt the same way. Not that I was that age yet, but I thought, man, I, I don't like school. I don't want to, I don't know what I want to go to school for. I don't want to go to school. And, and that continued even until I graduated. And, and I only continued to go to school. Like I went and got an associate's degree because I knew that was, that was the smart thing to do, right? Have at least something to fall back on, something to, to you know, pay the bills. Um, but as, as he said in that interview, like it hit him like a ton of bricks. That's, that's what he wanted to do. And so I just had this weird thought at that age, you know, around 12, 13, that, you know, maybe there's a reason I haven't broken a bone in my body and that's to be a professional wrestler. Nice. Nice. Well, we got three, we got two people in the, um, in the chat and I'm going to hold off on your guys' questions, but I will get to them. Okay. Justin and, uh, Mr. Robinson, but I'm going to go a little bit further. Um, what are some of the wrestlers you enjoyed watching growing up? So, uh, you know, in that time was, was kind of pre attitude era, but then I, I became a teenager during the attitude era. So, I mean, in the beginning it was, it was going back and watching those old tapes was Macho Man, Randy Savage. Um, I was into Hulk Hogan a little bit, but it was just kind of, you know, the early stages of, you know, just who was larger than life and who really connected with the crowd and things like that. Um, as I moved into the attitude era and, and still didn't necessarily follow or, or got into like cheering for the heels kind of thing. I was still, you know, big, big baby face follower. So, uh, rock and, and stone cold. Um, but of course, all time favorite has to be, uh, Shawn Michaels, uh, and then very close second, Chris Jericho. Awesome, man. Awesome. Um, so do you model your style after any of those guys you just mentioned? I, I do a little, um, I, I can't remember now what it was or where I came across. It was early on in my training and early on in my career where I came across something I think uh, Dustin uh, Rhodes had said. And, um, you know, he was talking about how he's just got kind of a small move set, but he does those moves really well and he doesn't get real, real big and flashy. He doesn't have a big long list of moves. And so it just resonated with me and, and because I, I'm, I'm not real flashy. I'm not a high flyer. And so I, I kind of more stick to the ground and stick to, um, you know, basics. And so I just, I just kind of ran with that. But at the same time, I, I didn't ever want to fully emulate or copy anybody else that I saw. And so I would, whether it was moves, I tried to limit myself to one move here, one move here, one move there, you know, Chris Jericho, Chris Benoit, Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels. Um, so, and then as far as look and attitude and things like that, like initially when I first started, you know, kind of the concept of, of who Ryan Hart was going to be, it was kind of centered around, um, Sting, Bret Hart, and Shawn Michaels. And Shawn was just kind of more the look um, because, you know, as a kid, I don't know why, I just never thought of myself as being a, a heel, being a villain. And so right. uh, that never really crossed my mind until I was kind of thrown into some of those those predicaments early on. And uh, so that's like the whole, you know, wholesome and, and there to watch, every, you know, watch uh, somebody's back from Sting and just being a good ground wrestler and a good guy and a good role model with Bret. And then just kind of real, it was the looks with Shawn. But, but as I've, you know, 
spent more time working heel and working that other side. Then it's, you know, it's picking out, you know, kind of how Shawn Michaels did it and Jericho because they're smaller guys because I'm usually in the ring with guys that are my size or bigger. So um, I have to I have to use some psychology from what they do uh, as far as, you know, how to how to work matches and how to put on a good show. That's that's believable for sure um, with me being smaller and a big guy. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So where did you go for training? Uh, what kind of wrestling school, if there was any, or did you do your own training in your own home or? Didn't ever do any of my own home and wasn't, wasn't at all like drawn to, you know, cause the back, the backyard wrestling scene started kind of building a little bit around my, you know, when I got graduated and, and could have started. Um, but I was not drawn to that at all. I just felt like that wasn't, uh, that wasn't the right way to do it. And that was a way to, not that I'm, I'm trying to dog on any of them, but it was like, I, if I was going to do it, I was going to do it right. I'm going to see it through and, and see if I even, had what it took to do it. And so um, I remember, you know, I was really enthralled with Tough Enough when it came out, first came out on MTV and and how Al Snow trained. And I was just like, by the time they got ready to, they were, they were announcing they were going to do a third season. I was like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to put in, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to do a, an audition tape for it. And uh, didn't of course hear anything back. Cause I know they got so many of them and I wasn't at all in a place where I looked like I would have been a, a, a prospect. But, uh, but then after that, I just, I kept after it. And so I, like I sent, uh, I looked up, you know, wrestling schools. And so I found that uh, Sean was, I think he was on his way out, but running the one he had in San Antonio. And I was like, you know, sent a letter asking for information. I didn't know if Al Snow still had his running or not. And I found an address for that, sent to there. And then I sent to Ohio Valley Wrestling, knowing that at that time it was a developmental. And so my thought was, if I, if I turn out to really pick this up fast and, and things move in the right direction. And if I'm able to make that move and, and afford that training, then why not go there? And, and on the beginner level, the way they had that set up at the time, I, I don't know what they've got now, but it, it was the most affordable, even though that meant me relocating from Amarillo, Texas to, to the Louisville, Kentucky area. And yeah. that's actually where I got started in, in 2005, uh, January that year, uh, doing, doing the beginner's level training. And, uh, you know, I, I found out I was, I, I, I could physically hang, I could physically do it, but that also, it, it's a whole different world to actually get, you know, move up in levels and where you're, where you're on their roster and things like that. And of course getting noticed and, and, you know, and of course I think when I actually started was they also had Florida, they were starting that one. And then shortly after I left, cause I was only there about a year and a half, then they fully transitioned to everything being in Florida. But, you know, I, I could tell and see that, okay, I, I'm having a hard time putting in all the other work that it takes to progress and to be that level and, and also ran into a little bit of burnout, you know, it was like, I don't know if this is for me. And I think some of it honestly was just being that far away from, from family, um, not necessarily right. homesick, but I couldn't see my family as often when I was used to, you know, we doing birthdays and family get togethers and things like that. And so right. sorting through a lot of that was, was okay. I'm going to, I'm going to come back closer to home and I need to see if this is still something I want to pursue or not. Cause I don't want to give up too early. Right. Wow. That's crazy. So it, that physical work wasn't hard, but it was just the other stuff. Get grasp a hold of that stuff was that's where the hard work came in then. Yeah, I, th- I mean, that. yeah, the harder part was more the the physical training outside of wrestling. Now, now wrestling yeah. itself and learning that I, you know, and I tell guys all the time when I when I first meet them or their first training with us here at CWF that, you know, everybody learns at a different pace, just like anything else in life. And so there's going to be some guys who pick it up really fast. And there's some guys that takes a little bit longer. It took me a little bit longer. Like I kind of stayed in that beginner's level longer than I probably should have, but also felt like I I spent extra time on those basics and where, you know, I got a good solid foundation before I moved on to more. Awesome, man. So I got one more question. Then I'm going to get to the chat questions. Uh, I got a whole bunch more questions, but I, it's going to lead into it. So how important in your opinion 
our fan interactions um, during the matches and then at the merch table after the event. They're huge. I mean, that is what, I mean, currently right now I'm, I'm in, I wouldn't say another burnout kind of season, but I'm in a season where the wrestling itself, like I love some of the guys I get opportunities to work with, especially if they're guys I, I don't regularly work with that are, that are, you know, on our full-time roster. Uh, when we have some other guys that come in special and things like that, that's exciting, but I'm more excited about the reaction I get out of the crowd now. Like that's what I'm more focused on is the psychology and being able to, um, to get a reaction out of them. And, and if they're not, you know, if they're not booing me enough, get them to boo even more, you know, what, what can I do that really gets me under their skin, you know? And so that I find more exciting right now. It's just kind of the season I'm in is that fan interaction. Um, if, if I could just go out there and manage then, then I would, but I, you know, my body can still do it. And so I, I'm still going to do it as long as I can. But that's actually what's more exciting to me right now. And, and uh, you know, we have the way our show's set up, and I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about it later on. But um, even though I don't sit at a merch table and, and do that kind of traditional thing that you see at shows, uh, we sit around the ring afterwards and sign autographs and take pictures and talk to people. And, and that, that's, that's huge for what we do, right? We're, yeah. we're a wrestling promotion, but we go further because we're also a ministry and we're, we're trying to reach people where they're at, you know, in their souls and their, and for their eternity. And so when we can continually make a connection with that, with that fan base, that keeps coming back, even if they're not traditional wrestling fans, they're fans of us and they're fans of what we do. Then if, if there's something that's not right in their lives, whether it's just getting to pray with them for them or whether it's something that, that they want to make a decision for Christ, you know, we've, right. that, that's huge for what we do specifically because we've, we've got to be real and genuine and, and make those connections and keep, keep them up. Absolutely, hundred percent. So, um, I have Justin in the chat. He uh, wants to know, um, what is it? What is one of your dream opponents? A, a dream match that you'd have? Um, I mean, the, because since I haven't, and I know we hadn't touched on this yet, but I've I've really specifically just wrestled for CWF. I haven't, you know, I hadn't got to. I didn't get to that upper tier. I didn't get you know developmental contract or anything like that. And so, like that, that's a huge long list, honestly. But um, I mean, I think that the top dream would be either HBK or Jericho, um, just because they're my favorite of all time. And, and to, to be able to share the ring with them would just be, I mean, that, that's the dream come true. I think for me. Awesome. So now I got another guy in here. He's from a promotion I cover also, um, MCW out of Illinois right now. And his, his thing is I want to shot up that belt. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you're going to need to talk to, uh, talk to our man in charge, the Jesus freak, but, uh, I'm sure if we could, uh, work something out, then, uh, we can, we can work something out and you can, you can get a shot, but, uh, just there know I'm, go. I'm pretty smart. There you go. Who have you been, who has been some of the most inspirational people in your wrestling career and in your non-wrestling life? Okay. Um, I'll start with the wrestling. I mean, again, that's, that's still kind of an, an easy answer, I guess, but because, of the transformation that Shawn Michaels made. Um, you know, when I, when you first start watching wrestling, you're a fan and you're younger, like, like I said, I wanted to know more and I liked reading the interviews and I liked knowing about who the men were behind uh, the performers and what they did in the ring and what, what you saw on TV. Um, but like, it's a whole other level to find out later, and especially as you start working, but that, you know, Shawn was a totally different person during his first run, like with, um, and not just the fact that he's not Christian, but man, he was, you know, to hear everybody talk about how, how hard it was to work with him and, and the attitude that he had and things like that. But then to know that it was night and day difference to see 
uh, even just on screen, you know, when you're watching matches and stuff, the transformation that happened in his life, you could tell, even though he wasn't out there, like he wasn't necessarily given a mic to preach or anything like that, but he was still doing what he did best and had just as good, if not better of a run the second time around after retirement, but after becoming a Christian, that just, that just came out, that came through that screen, even, even just doing what he, what he's always done. And so to me, um, not only as a wrestler, just the wrestling standpoint of, like I said, that journey that he had, but to also in his faith, like where he didn't know Christ before. And then he did right. and just to know how people talk differently about him from, from locker room experiences. And like I said, how you could tell just from watching his work and his attitude that it was, it was just night and day difference. So yeah. that's, that's yeah. certainly a big influence as far as the, the wrestling world goes. Um, and I think in general, um, outside of that, um, I know, you know, I, I always looked up to my mom, um, even though there, there's some distance right now between us, but uh, she was always a, a big one that I looked up to and, and her faith and, and the things that she had to do. Um, we ran into a point where um, I was 16, my sister was 13, that's when my parents got divorced, and she had to go back to school, uh, not back to school, but back to get her nurse's license reinstated and, and had to go back to work at the hospital 12 hour shifts when, you know, she'd spent the, the last, you know, 15, 16 years being a stay at home mom. And so to just totally make that shift and have to totally do whatever it took to provide for her and her family. Um, and then another one would be my, my youth pastor um, from, from the tail end of when I was in youth. And then I also worked for him as a youth intern uh, where I got to learn about being a youth minister and all, but um uh, we don't we don't talk quite as much anymore. He's currently a missionary. And um, but but for the most part, you know, every few years when he's kind of back here on furlough, I hope, usually get a chance to catch up a little bit with him and his family. But he's been another one who's been a big influence in my life, um, you know, leading up until uh, um, especially for like as I got started in the in the wrestling career. Uh, but then even till still to this day. OK, awesome. So I, the next question is like a two-parter. Uh, what is your experiences like working from in front of various crowds? I mean, you know, the pandemic, uh, regular um, wrestling events to even your school assemblies and your the church events that you do. What's Is there a big difference in there? Or do you just go out and do the same thing every time? For the most part, it's it's all kind of geared the same. Um, our, doing our monthly shows here uh, is, and as I said, that's, I mean, it's definitely more of a, promotion um, but it's also ministry and so that that's got more of the promotion feel and we're running storylines and we're doing an ongoing thing we want people to come back every month and we're in the same place every month and and so that's going to be done a little differently than than what we do you know when we travel when we go outside whether it's a church or it's a camp um, we got the opportunity to go do a summer camp uh, which from what I'm, I'm told it was before I got here but when when CWF first started that's that's all they did for like the first summer was just summer camp after summer camp after summer camp but like we got to go spend a little bit of time with those, those young men. It was, uh, I think elementary age boys and, uh, it was out in Louisiana. <laughs> we spent some time with them, uh, like the day before we had the show. So we're just kind of hanging out there. You know, we saw them at the pool. We're seeing them at, at the cafeteria and just trying to kind of make some connections. Uh, and then of course we had to, we had to make a, a creative shift into setting up the show. And so we yeah. had an opportunity where a fight broke out and they're in the dinner time that happened right before our show. And uh, so we could clearly set up who they wanted to cheer for and who they were going to, who they were going to hate going into that show. And um, so there, there's opportunities like that that present itself where we get to be a little bit more creative and kind of set that up. Um, for the most part, when we travel, we kind of have a formula that we follow that just keeps it real simple because 
as as unique as our ministry is, like it was geared and built for wrestling fans, right? Um, right. It is it is an opportunity where people who won't go into a church for whatever reason they don't feel comfortable, whether it's the clothes they wear, whether it's enough you know not enough money, whether it's uh, the the things they've experienced in their life or the sin that they're coming in with, for whatever reason they're they're not going to feel comfortable walking into a, a random church on a Sunday morning and feeling judged and stuff. But Saturday night they'll go to a wrestling show, right? So. I think the original uniqueness of it is geared to fit wrestling fans, but it is very seldom that we're actually in front of wrestling fans. Like we have to, we have to start from ground zero and teaching them what a wrestling show is about. And so sometimes it's rough the first, depending on, especially if it's a smaller crowd, but the first match or two, it takes a little bit trying to really get them engaged, involved and understand you, you cheer for the good guys, you boo the bad guys and, and here's what's right. going on. And so we've kind of got a formula on a lot of those travel shows where we keep it real simple uh, good versus evil and, and set that up for them so that they can catch on as quickly as possible. And then the, the main point is, of course, by the time we get to the main event where they are all in, they're all about it from every age demographic and whatever, they're super excited. And then, then we know, okay, we've got a captive audience. So what's most important after the show's over, like right after that main event is where we share the gospel. And that's, what's most important to us. And so yeah. we, we build everything to be as, as effective as possible and, and the best caliber as possible so that we gain that audience for what's most important there at the very end. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, uh, that reminds me of us. Um, like I said before we went on that I was a youth pastor up in Michigan and uh, we put on a, um, it's called, it was a lock in, I, so to speak. And I had uh -huh. a DJ, I had a DJ system and I had music I, and I thought, you know, my, I loaded it up with all, a bunch of Christian music, you know, all art rap, rock whatever i was playing it and nobody was in no one was doing anything they were just sitting at tables and my pastor comes up to me and says you have to get to where they're at first before they're ever going ever going to be where you want where you where you'd like to see them and i'm like okay cool so i started playing the secular music a little bit and they got more into it and i and i you tossed a little bit of the christian music in and they got more into it and by the end of the time it at the end of the whole um dance party or whatever it was right before the message was in uh you know in, in the sanctuary at like midnight they were in, they were interact they interacted with everything now now they wanted to sit there and listen so so i get what you're saying you know the build up all the way up to the final match you know you have to do that I, it was it took one time of doing them um trying to throw up an event to get people to um understand what i was what we're trying to do so for I totally sure what, i totally what you're saying so so how long you been in the business of professional wrestling uh, so yeah, I started my training in January, 2005. So it's a total of 18 years. Um, you know, I spent a year and a half, uh, training OVW and then that's where I, I ended up making the move down here and started with CWF. So, uh, that was in the fall of 2006. Um, other than like, a, I think I had a three year hiatus in the middle there, uh, shortly after I got married. Um, it just kind of became tough keeping up with things and, uh, trying to focus on, you know, being a dad and, and being a father. And so I uh, got an opportunity to come back where, uh, you know, Robin reached out to me and said, Hey, you know, if your schedule allows, can you come back month and do monthly shows and be at training once a month at least? And I said, we'll give it a shot. And, and I've kind of been back ever since. So um, gone through some tough things in life outside of, of uh, CWF uh, after that, during that time. But at the same time, it's, it's, you know, where I needed to be because of the brotherhood that we have. Like it's, um, it's a tight knit group. We, we meet every week on Mondays for training and Bible study, and we build those relationships, that brotherhood. And so that I know 
even if I'm not here regularly or whatever, I can, I can reach out to those guys and we'll pray for each other and we'll, we'll walk each other through whatever it is. And so just like I've been there for other guys, they've been there for me. And so even though it's the hardest thing I've ever had to, had to go through with going through losing my family and stuff, um, it, you know, it's, it's brought me closer to, to God. It's brought me closer to, to these guys and, and back, back into where I really needed to be, which is, which is part of CWF. So, um, so other than just a, a short little hiatus there where I didn't, I didn't wrestle. Um, I've, I've pretty strictly been CWF. It's just, it's given me everything I wanted. Like when I first joined with these guys in 2006, I got to go on a, on a road show where we hit a couple of different towns and did three shows and I, you know, kids wanted my autograph. And so I got to travel, I got to sign autographs. I got cheered for, like, I was like, wow, this is, this is being a, a superstar, you know? And, and then at the same time, I didn't have to worry about, you know, a lot of the things that, that you hear about that is prevalent in, in a lot of locker rooms, but, um, indie promotions all the way up to the big stuff, but that, uh, you know, the drugs and the alcohol and the, and the, and the, and the sex and all the different temptations that come with that. That's, that's not my scene and that's not what I want. Um, and so like, I think it was just the best fit for me. And I just, I don't really desire to do wrestling outside of that i'm sure if i had different special opportunities where somebody specific reached out and said hey i want to work you on this show would you mind coming out then i'd be open to it but it's just not something even though we've got a lot of different promotions in the dfw area i could be wrestling you know multiple times every weekend i could travel but it's just it's not really where my heart is my heart is the fact that we we do this for god and we do this as a ministry that's awesome man that's awesome so um, any advice to young male or young female wrestler females coming into the business um, and making the commitment that it takes to be a professional wrestler? I know it's kind of different with your 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 promotion, but is there any advice you give new new um, men and women coming into the profession of wrestling? For sure. I mean, you know, yeah. What what our product is is different, but our training is is the same. Um, now we don't, we don't have women currently involved and I don't know if we will, but it's, it's strictly a men's ministry. Uh, we do have women that help us with our, at our shows, you know, some of the wives or girlfriends or whatever that help with concessions or merch or, or, you know, taking still photos, things like that. But as far as the core of our ministry, you know, yeah, we're an outward ministry for, for, uh, our shows and, and who were the audience we're in front of. We're also an inward ministry as, as men. And as I talked about before that brotherhood. So, yeah. um, but our training is still the same. Um, I remember after first coming here, I was asked several times and still am once in a while that, Hey, how does your training at OVW compare to what we do here? And I'm like, y'all are doing the same stuff they did, you know? So we, again, as I mentioned before, like we try to make everything that we do as top caliber as, as best and, and as effective as it can be, just as if we were a real promotion, we don't want anybody to, to, to look at us and go, you know, what are these guys? They don't know what they're doing. So we, we take it very seriously that we're just as professional as, as the guys on TV. So to, to get back to the question, the, um, the advice I'd give is, um, you know, listen, um, I know that's a, that's a difficult thing. I think I've seen, I, I recently spent three years uh, in education and um, the, the kids these days, it's, it's harder for them to, to truly listen. I think um, right. they, right. they seem to, and not that that's any different than, than years past, but, it does seem like it's become a bigger thing where the younger they are, the, the more they think they know and the more they think they've got it all figured out. And of course, with YouTube and, and the Internet, the things that are that they all grown up with practically since birth, you know, they can Google and, and YouTube anything. And so you can you can feel like a pro before you even step foot in the ring. And so I would just highly encourage listen, like 
listen, pay attention. We tell guys that if they have to be sidelined for whatever reason, like usually it's an injury, but if there's some reason that you can't physically get in the ring because you may hurt yourself worse, by all means, don't, but still be here. Be in the fellowship, stand at the ring, watch and listen so that you don't as much as possible miss anything. Right. So I think that's really big key is to listen, um, to be all in. Um, that's, that's, you know, what I had to realize was, okay, I, I'm going to spend $500 and it, it, I've got to spend that money, even it, whether it's a day or whether I get six months out of it. And so had I, after one day given up, then it is what it is. And, and it was one of those things when I went into it, I just had to commit to, I'm not going to know if I can do this unless I try. And so right. I tried and, and I, I kept going and I, you know, like I said, I could hang with what we were doing. Um, but as far as that, that upper level of getting noticed and things like that, the certain look that they're looking for and the time in the gym outside of that, I knew I wasn't doing, you know, and I knew I wasn't taking, you know, doing other stuff that maybe, you know, shortcuts and stuff to get there. And so that's part of where, where that struggle came in. And so it really depends on how far do you want to go with it and what do you truly want to do? And then just continuing to commit to yourself to, to do whatever it takes. And, and like I said, just keep listening. That's a good, that's good. I mean, that's, I think that's, that's probably revel, relevant in anything you do, you know, caring for kids. Sure. I, I hear that all the time. My wife and I talk about that all the time. If you just pay attention and listen, really what you just did, we talked about it 20 minutes ago, but it's listening and probably wouldn't have got to this point again. So, right. you know, tell a little six-year-old, I'm, you know, don't ask to play video games. Mr. Scott will tell you when we can play video games. Well, 20 minutes later, He's asking to play video games, right? And you're like, no, if you were to listen to what I said, you probably would have been playing video games by now, but now we're going to talk talk about this again. So I get the listening part. That's awesome. For man. sure. And and it's not a, like, because that can come across, because it all depends on as you, as you work your way up, you know, and you start working in other locker rooms and stuff to try and get your name out there, you're going to be working in front of different people. And so if you're not a good listener, that may come across to, to somebody, the right person, the wrong person, however you want to look at it, as being disrespectful and right, right. you don't want, you don't want to get stuff shut down that just because, you know, the, the way you inadvertently came across, right, you know, in your action. Right. So. Well, I was talking to somebody a while ago. Um, I don't know if you remember this about a year ago, there was this um, media scrum or CM Punk and the elite got all met out of shape, blah, 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 blah. And I, we talk about guys in the locker room, the veterans like sting, like, uh, William Regal, like uh, Kenny Omega and all those guys in the back that are telling you, telling their, these young bucks to, or these young people to just pay attention. Do you, do you feel that the young up and coming wrestlers need to start paying attention to what you old people are, the old the veterans are saying? I think so. I mean, for the most part, what we run into, we, we typically get a good, good group of guys that, that come in and, and do training with us specifically anyway. And, and since I don't really venture out, then I'm not seeing it, you know, everywhere else. But most of the time, the guys that we've got coming in are typically pretty good about that. Um, and, and that's like we're not super selective. Like it's not necessarily closed off. If, if we know that you're, you know, th there's been some guys that we, we kind of found out, okay, by the way you're acting, we, we don't really think that, that you fit in with what we do, but we're still going to let you train and, and, and we're going to try and, you know, minister to you and, and do what we can. But um, even those guys like a little rough around the edges or maybe don't quite believe what we believe. They're just here for some quality training and, and then move on. Then like they've, they've, 
for the most part, been been good about listening and paying attention and being respectful. So right. um, yeah. I, I think it's 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 also probably just in how it's presented and how it comes across. Um, it, but really, it's it's the attitude of of the other person. And so if yeah. I mean you're whoever it is, is going to find out real quick if if they're being real, you know, upfront and and assertive, too assertive, and and like they yeah. know everything, then. They're going to make enemies really quick and they won't get the opportunities that other guys get. So, yeah. you know, we, we run a, uh, a kid's training and the uh, we were just telling them last night, you know, it's it's we're doing kind of this this upcoming show is going to be where we're crowning new champions. And so it's it's uh, real exciting for them. But at the same time, it's like we're instilling in them, you know, it's not just who the best wrestler is. Um, it is an all around effort, which is what you see in in you know, as adults being in professional wrestling as well, it's an all around effort. And so I think that's the other thing for them to grasp. Those who are in, you know, early in their career and just training, put in the work and the effort to serve, to, you know, to know that paying your dues is a part of it. And that doesn't necessarily mean getting pinned every night for a year and a half. That, that means setting up and tearing down the ring. That means helping set up the arena or tear down, clean up, you know, um, putting in that work and effort. And, and I know one of the guys, uh, he was helping us last night and he wrestles other promotions uh, in the area and he travels, but he told those kids too. He said, you know, that speaks a lot more. That speaks volumes to those vets and to those promoters than, than anybody who's got the best ability. If you've got the best ability in the locker room and, and you're um, acting like a diva, you're acting like everything needs to be owed to you and given to you and entitled, like you're probably not going to get the same opportunities as somebody who clearly is busting their butt and serving and helping and doing whatever he can to help further that promotion in wrestling and helping put guys over and not seeing it as, um, Oh, I have to lose again, or I don't get the belt again. Like take pride in the work you do. And the work we do sure. is, is with each other to ultimately put on, put on a show for the fans. So it's not about putting ourselves over. It's about, it's about giving them a good show. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so do you prefer singles or tag team? Ooh, that's tough. Um, you know, early on, and, and that's, you know, that's the way I, I know OVW kind of designed their their training because we got to do monthly shows. We'd sell our own tickets to the show kind of thing. And so it gives an opportunity to work in front of a crowd a little bit. But the way they designed it was, of course, the beginners were just in a battle royal and then everybody else kind of in the intermediate work tag matches. So I think that's like that's ideal for when you're first learning and first working matches. And I'm sure that's a model that comes from WWE and the other guys as well. But when you're first breaking in, you're working tag. That's just so much easier to kind of get your footing um, and make sure that you're not because you tend to be you tend to overthink about I'm going to I'm going to mess up or I'm going to do something wrong or I'm going to, you know, whatever. And so there's less of a spotlight when there's four of you sharing a ring at five, really with the ref, right. but four of you as compared as compared to two. Um, so don't me wrong. Tag team wrestling is great and I love it. Um, so I'd probably lean more towards that, but you know, uh, singles has its place as well. And, and it's hard to be like in the position I'm in. It's hard to be the, the, the heavyweight champ if, if uh, you're in a tag. So, uh, and, and strictly tagging. So, um, it, it's got its pros and cons, but, but certainly, you know, looking back on, there was just so much, especially eighties and early nineties with that when tag team wrestling was just, uh, had a really big pop and following. It was just, it was exciting right. to watch and that's kind of a draw. And then, like I said, it's just a lot more comfortable, a lot more fun in a way because you've got other guys to rely on as opposed to, oh man, all eyes are on me and this other guy. So <laughs> if I yeah. mess something up or something goes wrong and they're going to know it was me, you know? Right, right. Well, you mentioned refs and stuff like that. So, 
in your opinion, is it important to have a solid ref in the ring with you guys working it that knows what he's doing and the people in the back to make the match go as smoothly as possible? For sure. Absolutely. Um, you know, we, we try real well and, it, and it's hard to kind of get that across, but that especially with our ministry, but I think, you know, um, there, I'm sure there's plenty of promotions that, that, um, encourage this way as well, but like, it, it takes all of us to put this show on, um, from the guy running the sound to the announcer to the referees. And so, um, certainly as far as the match goes, you know, if you're looking at individual matches, yeah, the referees are very important. And I know um, we did one of our mission trips we did down in Mexico. We just barely over the border and we had to be creative in how we booked the different shows because we didn't actually have one of our full-time refs go with us. So we had to trade off a few of us being a referee for each show. And so the last, last show that we did, I ended up taking a turn being a ref. And of course I had to ref, you know, I think we maybe did three or four matches but just in those three or four matches, we're outside and in the sun. I was like, oh, my gosh, I have so much more of a respect just for the physical aspect of being a wrestler, uh, of a referee. I had so much more respect from actually doing that job once that I was right. like, wow, I, I'm never going to underestimate the importance of them again. But then, too, like what, some of the stories we've been telling lately and the things that, that we've been uh, doing in some of our main events were involving a ref, even little things. And and one of our, you know, our, our head head referee, head official um, has, has been with us for a while now, but he is just, he's soaked it up like a sponge and he is great at what he does. Um, I, you know, I can't say how he'd actually fare, you know, in, in, in independent promotions, he'd probably fare really well, but, um, man, he, he is on top of whether it's helping us with time or whether it's helping us with crowd or whether it's some little aspect we need to involve him in, even if it's not, you know, squashing him in the corner or something. If it's some little facial expression, like he was on it, and he's just yeah. helps, helps even more add to the story that we're telling and, and what we're doing for the for the crowd, for the fans. That's awesome, man. Um, so I had a few questions from my kiddos. Um, like, uh, your favorite food. They want to know what your favorite food. What, what do wrestlers eat? What do wrestlers eat? Well, unfortunately, this wrestler doesn't eat probably what wrestlers should eat. So okay. um, always has been, always will be. My favorite food's pizza. Um, yeah. even though I worked and did like, I've worked for Papa John's and pizza hut. Um, you know, a lot of times people say you work for those places, you get burnt out on it and you don't ever want to eat it again. I never went through that phase. I've always been, and I've been able to be creative about, you know, making different, whether it's using different sauces or whatever, but just creating different combos where it doesn't get old to me. I still like pizza more than I should probably. Um, but, um, outside of that, I, I like a good steak. Um, yeah. steaks, steaks, a good wrestler food. <laughs> yeah. Well, after the podcast, my wife and I are going out front to make homemade pizzas out of tortilla shells. So I'm oh, nice. So I'm a pizza <laughs> guy too. So that's all right. What's your Mount Rushmore professional wrestlers if you have one? Oh, um, well, obviously, as I've said several times before, HBK and Jericho. Um, I feel like I'd, I, I feel like I'd put Undertaker on there as well. Um, you know, I know he's he's a different style wrestler with being tall and I mean, big and power and all that, but at the same time, the longevity that he had and how he could work a crowd and how he could put guys over and just his, his love for, um, professional wrestling. And, and just, I mean, he, he's all about it. He is all yeah. about being, uh, that guy that, that everybody looks up to, but then also passing on to the next generation so that it doesn't have to, 
um, forever be sustained on his shoulders. So I, I, I certainly have a lot of respect for him as a man and, and how he's carried himself throughout his career, but then also for you know a lot of the creative matches he's had, even though he's, he is kind of in a, a kind of a um, one type of a wrestler. He's, he's kind of more the bigger and power guy that, um, that not everybody is and, and, and isn't as versatile, but he, he is, he's been incredibly versatile. Um, and, and the number of guys that he's worked and the number of matches that, 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 that have just been, you know, great. Um, so I, I admire him a, a lot as well. Um, man, that fourth one. Uh, you know, it's hard to not say Bret Hart or, or Ric Flair. Um, I know I didn't watch a whole lot of WCW, and that was primarily where he spent a lot of time. And of course, NWA before that, I, I yeah. came in in 93 being a fan. So I didn't get as much exposure to him, and he just didn't just didn't click with me as a fan anyway. But But for sure. Um, you know, Flair and Macho Man and um, uh, Sting and uh, Stone Cold. I mean, it, it's hard to fill the kind of that fourth spot. Right, um, right, right. But, uh, but uh, there, there's a lot of great guys that I think have, have just done not only well as professional wrestlers, but then also the the legacy that they've that they've created and left behind, even if they're they're not a part of it anymore. So, yeah, I thought that I thought those are some good ones. So, yeah. Who is your closest friend in the business of wrestling? That's, that's, that's an interesting because, um, you know, my closest friends are the guys that I'm with in CWF. And, and since a lot of us, not all of us, but a lot of us primarily just work within, within our ministry and and with each other. Um, So that's really where my closest friends are. Um, okay. And they may end up being on, you know, as you have guests on from us uh, in the coming yeah. week. Um, so Bill Bishop and, and my tag partner, Guardian. Um, but uh, outside of that, and, and then uh, Apocalypse, Adam Asher, um, he's, he's running training next door right now. But um, I, I've really gotten a lot closer to him here lately as he's come back into our fold. But um, I, I haven't interacted with many guys uh, that are, that are, you know, have been, uh, workers, uh, outside. Um, I know, you know, I've, I've gotten chances to work with some guys who are, are kind of working in different areas of the country. Um, not necessarily under contract and, uh, but I, I haven't really gotten super close with any of them where they're necessarily, you know, close friends. So, um, when, you know, I was only there for a year and a half at OVW, I didn't really make too tight of a bond with anybody that when I came back to Texas that stuck. So, Okay. Um, I haven't I haven't had any closeness with any of those guys, but for sure, like I said, we've got a real real tight bond of guys here. Awesome, man. What's the what is the best advice you got from anybody in in the wrestling um, from well, all the way from Rob Vaughn to the guys that you just mentioned? What's the, probably the best advice that you got? I know you said that the best advice you would have is for just to listen. Yeah. What was the best advice that um, Mr. Ryan Hart got? Um. I'm going to go with just because it's, it's like nothing else really sticks out. So I'm going to go with what's most recent. Um, as I mentioned, Apocalypse, Adam Asher's uh, kind of been helping run our training uh, lately. And uh, that's kind of been, you know, big, big role for him. And uh, he's, I mean, he's, he, he started with, with CWF in 2000. So he's wrestled for 23 years, but unlike me, he spent time outside of CWF and he's wrestled all over. And so he's got a lot more matches, a lot more time, a lot more, um, seasoning as far as being a veteran. I mean, you know, for me to say I've been doing this 18 years is totally different when it's primarily just our ministry 
versus somebody who's done it for 18 years and they've done a lot of traveling. They've worked three, four shows every weekend, you know? So um, he's the one that I've, I've got a lot of advice from here lately. And so the big one that he's, he's sharing with everybody, but I think I'm really trying to soak in more and more these days is to slow down. Um, not that I've ever been a real, real fast or had a lot of speed and do that's not really my style, but even in just doing the basics well and doing whatever we do, the story that we're telling, we can tend to, to get in a hurry and we do stuff too fast. And so I think that's something that he's been learning more and more over the years that he's trying to pass on. And so I'm trying to be more aware of that um, okay. as, okay. as I'm, you know, at this point in my career, but to, to really slow down and to, and to take those moments to, like I said before, interact with the crowd more. And so if there's a moment where I can slow down in the ring and to interact, then, then that's going to gel all that together really well. So it's, it's right. never, you never learn everything. And, and it's, I think a lot of things in life are that way, but wrestling is for sure. Um, there's still things I'm learning to this day and, and I'm glad to have somebody like him over there helping us train. You know, I'm, I'm still taking bumps and training kind of thing and, and you never stop learning. And so even though there may be a lot of things that I still, that I, I do or do well, there's plenty of areas I don't, I still struggle with or that psychology wise or just working the crowd or being a veteran and, and being in charge in the ring and things like that. I, I I, I still need to grow in and get better at for sure. Well, that's, that's good advice. To, I mean, not just wrestling. I mean, we need to all s- stop and slow down. For sure. We, we, mean, fill our lives, I, we fill our lives way too much and it's too busy and too cluttered. I think my first, uh, my first uh, message I um, preached in a, um, at a, in front of our church was Mary and Martha story. Stop, slow down and listen. Right. You know, and I'm like, and that, I was preaching to the people, but that was working in my heart too. Because you know, you get so wrapped up in your in your world that you want to go ta 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 ta, ta and then you need to stop and say, "Whoa!" Because you're going to miss something, something important that might have been said or whatever. So that's great advice that that guy gave you. Is you know, just slow down. Mm-hmm. So that's great. Um, what kind of match is your favorite match, man? Um, you know. I... I've gotten a great opportunity and that's like the, the phrasing I use about being most accomplished. Like I, I, I don't want to say decorated and I'm not going to try and say I've held the most belts and it's even for us, it's not so much about the belts. It's more of a prop. Um, yeah, we use it, tell a story kind of thing, but, but it doesn't mean, and you know, it doesn't mean I'm the best wrestler, but, um, so to me, when I say accomplished wrestler, like I've gotten to experience a lot of first, um, a lot of first for our ministry and then just a lot of, you know, a uh, handful of different gimmick matches and stuff like that. And so, those have their place uh, when, when you're telling a story, as long as it's not, you know, uh, less is more. And, and as long as you're building up to that. And so I've, I've gotten to enjoy a lot of those because that's one of those things, as I, as I mentioned before, like I, I got to experience everything that I was looking for, getting to travel and getting to wrestle and getting to, to kind of have that, that notoriety or, or celebrity kind of feel, you know, getting your autographs and uh, giving autographs and stuff. So like I've gotten what I thought I would get out of being a WWE superstar. And so I'm, I'm content with that. And then getting to use it for God is, is just incredible. Um, and why I continue to do it and do it solely for CWF. But um, to, I, I lost where I was at, but um, to get to do different things, different gimmick matches like that, or different just outside the box or creative opportunities and telling stories is like, that's one of those things that's kind of missing. Like that, that, not that I dwell on or that I think, man, I, I really wish I, I would have this, that, the other, whatever. Maybe I could have gotten signed and then I could do. But it's those little things that are like, okay, cool. That's something that 
that I wouldn't necessarily expected to get to do that I'm content with working here right. uh, that would be kind of out there. And so I, I've gotten to do a lot of different things like that, that, uh, that have been, you know, kind of extra special. So um, the, uh, the ladder match is fun. Uh, the uh, lumberjack matches are, are fun too. Um, but uh, I, just, I, I like, I, I can't narrow down just kind of favorite, but I think, like I said, just getting to interact with the crowd and tell the story. Like I, I just get really excited about, it and I love getting to be, try to challenge myself to be better than, than I was before. Um, I know anytime that I've, that I've flipped, whether I'm face or heel, like if I'm running his heel for a while. I'm like, and it's time to turn me face. It's like, okay, I want to, want to see if I can be a bigger face more, get more over than I was last time. And then when right. it's time to turn heel again, it's like, okay, I want to, I want to be better. I want to, I want to be, you know, get hated even more than I was last time. And so right. I think growth opportunities like that are what, what kind of keep me going. Um, and, and to just get to go in there and, and have fun and tell that story physically in the ring um, with guys that, you know, for the most part that, that we spend time together and, and we love and are involved in each other's lives like that. That's, that's just exciting. And it, it's, it's hard to narrow down like a favorite type of match kind of thing, because yeah. just what we get to do is, is, I mean, I wouldn't have thought it was possible, you know, to, yeah. to get to do this, but then to get to do it for, for God, like for something that goes beyond, you know, fame and fortune here on earth, I, you know, doesn't really bother me. Yeah. That would have been cool. And that's what I dreamed of when I was, when I first started, you know, dreaming of being a pro wrestler, but, but now like, like the, the privilege and the honor to get to open people's eyes to a, a savior that loves them and that, that will impact them for eternity. Like you can't get bigger than that. Absolutely not, man. That's awesome. So have you been in a, in a steel cage match yet? Yes, I have. I've been in, I've been in a couple. Um, those are, those are interesting as well. We've typically the way we do it, we end up having a whole night of steel cage matches, uh, sure. because it's, it's just too time consuming to try and set up and tear down. And so right. a lot of times those get where they're, they've got some added little, um, you know, gimmicks or something to them. So it's not always just the same match every time. So that's good to change it up for the crowd a little bit. So, um, but, uh, yeah, that, that's a different environment for sure. Like right. I remember watching, watching those as, as a kid, as a fan and all, and you're just like, Oh, that's so cool. And we actually get experience it. It's like, Whoa, <laughs> that's, uh, I, I, I can't imagine that cage is forgiving at all. No, it's not. And then like the, the <laughs> one that we've been using, like it, it, it tightens in pretty close to the rope. So when you're running the ropes, you're hitting that cage. So yeah, um, I mean, it is, it is not forgiving at all. When I watch, uh, I, I, I follow an indie promotion here and, um, um, the Panhandle of Florida, and then I watch a lot of other stuff and chair shots and steel cages and stuff like that. You know, I get it. I get the outcome is scripted. I get all that stuff. But when I hear fans, you know, say that this this sports is is fake, and I'm like, I get you, okay. And uh, it was described to me by uh, Danny Birch or Martin Stone today. He said, take take two figure skaters out there on in the middle of the ice. They're skating around. One is trusting another one to throw her up and catch her and spin them around and stuff like that. But there's always that unforgiving ice. If you fall, mm-hmm. it's going to hurt for sure. He goes, it's, he, he goes, it's scripted. It's choreographed. And it's so beautiful. And in the end, if everything goes right, we're successful. But if it doesn't go right, someone's going to get hurt. So is that a kind of a, is that what you, what your take on is when people say that what you do is fake? 
Yeah, similar. Uh, I mean, it's it's for sure not fake. I mean, the hits are real, and um, you know there there is a lot of training that goes goes on, of course, as we already touched on before. Um, but uh, it's it's not it's not training to be fake. It's it's training to um, what what I say when we uh, when 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 we're doing training and something that I remember hearing when I went through training. But you know, we're we're hitting hard. We're hitting, but we're hitting in in what's called safe places. Um, that doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. It still hurts. Right. And your body's got to get used to it. Um, we were telling the kids, you know, there's, there's stuff that even at 10 years old, your, your mind is telling you, this is not the way to do this. or this is not the way that, you know, you, 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 your brain says I have to protect myself. We have to untrain that. We have to, you have to think differently and it's going to hurt. Uh, and that's just a fact of, you know, a fact of the matter. So, um, but you're, you're still hitting, you're still hitting hard, but it's in safe places. It doesn't mean something can't go wrong. It doesn't mean somebody can't, like you said, still get, get injured. There's not parts of, I mean, the, the, the ring is built out of steel and wood. So, um, it's, some of it's an adaptability. You're, you're, you're taking those hits and those shots or those, whatever it is. And your body builds up a little bit of a, a be getting used to it. That doesn't mean it still hurt and you know, it doesn't hurt. Right. Um, and, and then, you know, if you're, if you're doing it right and you're, you're worth your salt and you're, you're truly a student of uh, learning professional wrestling, perfecting your craft, then, you know, there's, there's very little about it that, that you want to call fake, you know, yeah. um, it's, it's still as much as possible. It's hits and it's, it's uh, hitting that ring hard and it's, it's doing stuff over and over and over again that, that tears down your body for sure. Um, I can't, um, I, I don't have the, the laundry list, thankfully, of injuries that a lot of other guys do, but, um, just from the little bit of time comparatively I've spent wrestling, um, I, I can't sit in a car for, for a long road trip without the small of my back just killing me because that, that compression, uh, of, of landing, you know, doing, giving a leg drop or, or whatever it is landing on your butt, you're, you're compressing your spine. And so that can't help, but tear your body down. And so all those injuries and the things that those guys talk about, whether, whether indies or all the way up to the, to the big leagues, it's legit. It, it takes it takes a toll on your body for sure. So there's nothing fake about that. Uh, do you have a plan B if something happens? Uh, not really. Um, you know, I'm. I, I as I mentioned before, I'm gonna. I, I've just always said I'm gonna keep wrestling till my body says I can't. Um, and then you know, I I I still want to be involved with the ministry. Like I said, every every aspect of what we do is is an important role. And so if there's somewhere else I can play a role, whether it's as a manager, uh, whether it's as an announcer, commentator, whatever, um, I, I'm still going to, I'm still interested in and willing and drawn to help and serve and be a part of what we do in this brotherhood. So if I'm not physically able to do what I do in the ring anymore, I'm going to find another avenue to keep serving and keep helping and keep doing what we do. So um, since it's not kind of my, you know, what I'm pursuing outside of, of my nine to five and, and, um, you know, beat my body up over, you know, several times every weekend and traveling, uh, then it's not, and it's not something I'm putting everything into and hoping we'll, we'll pay the bills someday down the road. I, you know, uh, I, then I don't, I don't have to worry about when that's gone, that, that, uh, there's something I'm going to be missing kind of thing. Am I going to miss getting in the ring and doing some of that? Sure. You know, who doesn't, especially if you spend enough time doing it, but right. to still be connected and involved. And especially, like I said, with it being a ministry and work, We've got a greater purpose in what we do. I still want to be a part of that greater purpose any way I can. That's awesome, man. How do you balance family relate and relationships with everything that you have going on at CWF? Um, 
you know, I, I touched on that earlier and, and that was difficult when I first got married because I, I got married and, and was instantly dad as well um, because she already had a child. And so, um, you know, she's my daughter, but uh, I don't look at her any different, but it, it, that definitely had some challenges and it was things I, I didn't think about or was prepared for. I thought, we'll just keep, you know, I'll just keep doing what I'm doing. And, and, and it was, it was an adjustment to try and figure out, you know, more than anything, I didn't realize how I would feel and that, okay, when, when somebody at home is sick or somebody at home didn't, didn't have a good day or whatever that like, I, I feel drawn towards and my priority list is, you know, God first and family and then ministry or whatever else out, you know, work and stuff like that. And so if family's above everything else on that list and underneath God, then, you know, it was like, okay, well, I feel like I need to be home tonight to kind of help out around the house or whatever. And so that's certainly an, a, a been an, a, was an adjustment during that time. And so, um, and it, and it kind of got to a point where I, you know, I couldn't do as much or travel as much. And, and, and like I said, ended up taking some time off and I, I thought I was done and, uh, was, was fine with that, was content with, you know what, I, I gave it my all. And, and I think I just need to, to focus on this is, this is the direction I'm at right now. If I can't balance the two well, um, where, where, you know, they're, they're both feeling like they're getting the attention they need, uh, to, right. to continue on then I won't. But, um, and then like I said, you know, Rob called me back. I was still at that time married and, and had my daughter. And so, um, we, I, I worked myself back in a little bit and, and that worked, even though we were busier than we were before and we were able to better find that, that balance, you know, and to get adjusted right. to it. And so, uh, even though, unfortunately I've, I've gone through now, you know, divorce and all that, um, it's, it's easier now in a way because I, I'm back to being single and having more time. So it's not as uh, time constraining. Um, but then, you know, it, and it also depends on, on your work schedule too. And so if you're able to, it, it's always been to me about making this a priority. And so if, if, if I can, you know, work everything else around that, there's going to be times where it doesn't, but, but because what we do is so unique, so special, and it's more, than just what we do for the fans. Like I said, it's an inward ministry as well right. and a connection that we all need and, and, and that even men need. Um, you know, I, I was just telling a, a guy who came for the first time tonight to kind of check it out, but that, you know, we get into where we tend to isolate and, and as men and, and especially when something traumatic happens or life changing. And so that's where we're, we're are, are prime and ready for the enemy to just tear us down even more. And so, um, that is an important role, um, in any man's life. And so, uh, even if, if that's not your thing, find your thing, but find a group of men that you can, you know, you can confide in and talk to and hang out with. I keep telling our guys that, you know, find just one, one guy, you don't have to, you know, if you don't feel comfortable right now, open it up to all of us here in this, in this ring, find one that you really do connect with and make a connection with them where you can talk regularly and, and pour out your life so that they can pour into you and, and be there for you. And so, um, you know, that's, that's very important. And so, um, as much as I can, I keep that a high priority and, and try to work everything else around it. Awesome, man. Well, I asked you earlier, if there's anything to, on a on message, I said, Hey, how do I look you up? Blah, blah, blah. You said a lot of just on CWF and Facebook. So I found this funny, funny thing on Facebook regarding you. Okay. I think, it, I think it's you. It says, so Ryan Hart, rumor has it that you play your entrance music every time you walk into your house. <laughs> Is that true? That sounds like a Johnny Lawless line if I ever heard one. Um, <laughs> no, that is not true. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, that 
there's times it's it's playing in my head, right? When I'm depending on the situation or wherever I'm at, I, I may be hearing that music and just kind of get in that that kind of mindset of stepping into Ryan Hart and and you know if I need a little bit of you know confidence or arrogance in this way or that to deal with whatever situation is that that might be playing in my head. But no, I <laughs> I do not play my entrance music when I come home. What is your entrance music? Um, it is currently, oh, I'm trying to think you would ask that. Um, it's called hostage. Um, I can't think of who it's by right now, but, um, it's, I had gone and looked up, it's been a website I go back to every so often, but that kind of has some more indie, um, heavier kind of rock and metal type Christian music, Christian artists that don't really get, get played on traditional radio. And so that's typically where I keep going back to just kind of keep, you know, make sure everything's kind of kind of Christian because most of what we do when we've ever since I've gotten started and involved in 2006, that's, that's kind of been everything we do from start to finish needs to kind of reflect Christ. And so that, that goes down to the music as well. And so I've just stayed in a, in a mindset of if I'm changing my music up, then, then I'm going to seek out something that, that fits. Um, but that is, that is Christian as well. So even as you mentioned before, you know, when you're a youth pastor and you're introducing those students to, okay, here's what you're used to because you're not, typical church going kids. And then I'm going to work in stuff that sounds similar, but they're actually Christian before you know it, they're listening to nothing but Christian. And so same kind of way, if you can, you know, you find a good song or band that like just represents what I'm walking out to um, and they're Christian, but they sound good and they sound like some of the mainstream secular, what we call secular music, then, I mean, that's another connection point to the crowd. You know, Um, I think that's, that's another key point for me, but to help me get in, get in that mood and get in that mindset of, of going out there and, and uh, being in front of that crowd. So. Awesome, man. It's been a great time. It's uh, shoot an hour already went by, man. (laughs) (laughs) That's crazy. So I know you got Bible study at nine o'clock, but I have a couple more if you have time. Sure. Um, first of all, I want, I feel like, um, this is a proper time. So can you share with us, your testimony and how God is playing a part in your life and in your wrestling life, all does it all wrap together? And it, so I guess the floor is yours. Can you explain? Can you, can you share that? Do you feel like you can share that? Absolutely. Um, so my testimony, how I came to know Christ, uh, I was uh, nine years old. And I can't tell you right now what, you know, I don't actually remember the, what I actually heard in church from the pastor, but I heard something that piqued my interest where uh, my mom talked to me afterwards. I asked questions back at home. And so she took me to what's called, or she took me through in the Bible, the different verses that we call the Romans road to salvation and explained to me, uh, you know, how that works of, of uh, receiving, uh, ex- uh, receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And that night uh, before I fell asleep in the top bunk of my bunk bed, I, I prayed to receive Christ. So um, it, it hasn't been easy, uh, ever since. And I had a, I had a, um, I don't want to say a rough start in the beginning, but I didn't really know what it was all about. And I wasn't really, you know, growing and maturing in the way that, um, that, that, uh, maybe I should have been or could have been. Um, but, uh, later on, as I mentioned, my, my youth pastor before he, um, after I went to my first uh, camp church camp as a youth, uh, after my sophomore year, like then I was like, my eyes were just open to so much more like, you know, worship 
through song and, and how the kids are raising their hands and the songs that just really touch your heart. And just, you felt like you were, you were literally praising God, you know, like that. My eyes are really open to that because you know, it was before on Sunday mornings, it's mostly hymnals and stuff. And you just, as a kid, weren't connecting with that. And so yeah. to connect with that being a little different and just seeing everybody else, you know, like this is the first time. And it's like, I wanted more of it. And so like, after that, I find myself up there every chance that I could, you know, every time we had something Sunday or Wednesday events, I was up there. And, and like I said, I, I felt, felt kind of called to ministry, uh, going on a, on an event, I think as an adult sponsor. And I just kind of felt like God was telling me to, to be involved in youth ministry. I didn't know what that looked like. I'm still working on figuring that out. Cause I've kind of oh, been yeah. away from that, um, to an extent. And then I, I'm kind of coming back to, you know, filtering through, okay, what, what specifically should that look like right now? But, um, even, even then I thought, even if it's just as, as Sunday school teacher, you know, that that's kind of my place. I felt like where God wanted me in the church was to help out with middle school and high school. So, so then I, I was, you know, an intern for about a year and a half under that youth pastor. Um, and so, you know, things were, were pretty good up until kind of being out on my own. Uh, when I did make that move uh, to, to Southern Indiana, Louisville, Kentucky, I still, you know, I found a church and was going regularly, but um, I, I found myself just kind of getting more and more distance and I wasn't as involved. Um, didn't have a great church experience there when I was trying to get more involved. And so after moving back down here and, you know, we, we go through this, we all go through this, but there's, there's kind of an ebb and flow and there's times where you're closer and times where you're not. And so, um, I definitely got further away as I, as I started into my marriage and, and I don't attribute that solely to everything that, that went, you know, went wrong or that I did wrong in our marriage, but, uh, it certainly could have been in a lot better place. Had I been the leader I should have been and, and the man of God I should have been and, and uh, make sure we were going to church and getting plugged into a church and things like that. So it took that to kind of bring me back to him. And so um, I've got a tattoo that that's kind of a, a, a visual of, of the prodigal son. And that's the way I felt like that. I felt like I was so far away and I'd messed up so bad and, and, and sinned and, and that man, what, what right do I have coming back to God? But he, he runs to us. God, just like the prodigal, you know, the, the father of the prodigal son runs to us. He accepts us with open arms. He loves us. And, and so ever since then, you know, I'm, I'm still struggling at times. It, it doesn't ever get any easier. You still struggle. You still have your ups and downs. You still have your times where you're a lot closer and you're further away. But I, through that point right then when I was kind of at my lowest and surrounded by the guys from this ministry and I got into counseling and it's like God surrounded me with what I needed to get closer to him. And I was, I was in it back in his word daily and going to church and, and putting him back where he needed to belong, which was, right. as I mentioned before, he should be first in our life. And so right. I finally put him back where he should have been. And so it's not that it's still without its struggles, but um, I, I've certainly come from a long way where I was, you know, previously through, through a lot of that heartbreak and trauma that, that, I mean, I, I'll admit I, I added on to, or I had a part to play in it for sure. Um, how it plays into wrestling is, you know, what we do with our ministry. I mean, that, like I said, that's what we're all about. So getting opportunities, I don't get as many opportunities being, being one of the, uh, the top heels, um, with, with our promotion. So I, I don't, we, we typically have faces do the speaking, whether it's testimony in the middle or sharing the gospel at the end. So I, I haven't lately had as many of those specific opportunities. Um, but man, I, I love getting those opportunities. And then I love, um, at the end, when we get to counsel with people, when we get to talk to those kids afterwards, they raise their hand. Okay. What, what did you raise your hand for? And, and just kind of get some feedback. What, what did they hear? What stood out to them? And, and, 
and and just kind of talk them through whatever it is kind of thing. Maybe they just want some prayer. Maybe they're ready to accept Jesus Christ right there. And so um, my my testimony and my what I'm what I go through with with God and my relationship with him plays directly into what I do is wrestling, because even when I don't get to share it from the ring, I'm still getting opportunities to to where we are a representation, where we're ambassadors for Christ and how we present ourselves and how we interact with people and just being there for them and being genuine. So that's awesome, man. Um, so any words for uh, fans out there, or wrestlers out there that you could to close um, that you would just like to share on your, what's on your heart? You know, I, like I said, this is, this is such a unique ministry and, and our, our founder, uh, Jesus Freak, Rob Vaughn will, will be the first to say, I've heard him say it many times, but um you know, there's, there's, there's no reason this should have worked. Like it, it doesn't make any sense. And we've been going for 23 years and it's like, there's still people that don't know about us, even in our own backyard in the Rockwall area, you know, that they're like, what, what, you know, and we don't know how, we don't know how that happens, but at the same time, it's also creating new audience members almost every time. I mean, I think if we had everybody that's ever been to a show consistently in our building, every time we had a show, I mean, this building wouldn't be big enough. I mean, we, we'd probably be doing it at high school auditoriums. Or, I mean, uh, uh, gyms or something, you know, something bigger, bigger venues. So it's it truly is God at work. Um, God is, is used this. Not that it shouldn't have worked, but, you know, I, the, one of the, the passage or the verses that uh, we're kind of founded on is 1 Corinthians 9, um, 22. Paul says to the weak, I became weak that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men so that I may by all means save some. Um, and, you know, as I said, it, it's, it's unique because it's meeting, it should meet people where they're at, as opposed to they may not show up at a church. Um, and even though we're not typically in front of wrestling fans, like you'd think we would be, we're still seeing people give their lives to Christ. We're still seeing people impacted and we're still seeing uh, his work being done through us. And it's certainly not from anything that we're doing, because clearly if we were doing this right, everybody would know who we are. I think, you know, yeah. um, if we knew how to, whether it's promote a promotion issue or whether it's, I, I don't know all the different parts that play into that, that could make us more, more famous, even in our own area. But at the same time, that's, that's not what we're after. And so it really is about what, uh, what God is doing in and through our ministry. Absolutely. Um, that's a very good point. And that's one of the reasons why I'm so happy with the connection that we've made you be with me and you and um, Robin, um, CWF, and um, I just felt like what an opportunity it could be for you guys to share your stories. And whoever listens to this after it's over, if they go through the Facebook or they go to YouTube, wherever they watch it, I my I something I'd love to see is them. Maybe they're the lost person that needs to hear, needed to hear this, needed to hear your story, you know. So I'm glad that the opportunity is here for the platform is here for you guys to share your stories. I think it's really crucial for us the world because we're not in a great place. If, if I could say so, I guess. Definitely. Yeah. And we appreciate you. I mean, to, like I said, that's a little thing, right. To have seen the shirt that the Chad was wearing and, and then to just kind of, <laughs> and God using your wife kind of thing to yeah. be patient and, and, you know, waiting for Rob's text back kind of thing that like, we're really appreciative of one, you being, you listening and being sensitive to the Holy spirit in that way. But then two, because you're wanting to help us out. Right. right, right. Um, you're, you're wanting to get us more, more exposure and not that it's again for our sake, but it's for, because 
don't know how because people still haven't heard of us. And so yeah, not I mean, for us, but, but for Jesus sake, right? For Jesus, for, yes. Because um, I tell you, I, I'm not going to lie. I, was, I mean, I can tell you now, I can say this off air, but I'm going to, I want to say this on air because it needs to be said. At first I was like, man, my fan base, are they going to accept this as a Christian wrestling federation? But my heart said, they need to, they need to hear it. Who cares? Yeah, for sure. We need to get this out there. People, more people need to know about CWF. More people know to, need to know that there are wrestlers out there that have a story that have went through hell and have came, came out victorious. And you know what I'm saying? So that's the, and I was like, you know what? The heck with the people that are following because they're going to be there or they're not. They're going to, they're going to come or they're not. Right. You know, and they're going to hear it or they're not. And, um, I just want to have that opportunity for Jesus. It's not about me. It's not about this podcast. I mean, I can take huge pop podcast off the screen and it'd be for what Jesus wants for this, for the creation. He wants to, he wants, he wants everybody to make it to heaven. If we can get the word out and cause that, that'd be, that's just so awesome. Right. For sure. And then, and Um, then, you know, you're, you're helping us to, to further the kingdom as well. So, yeah. So, I mean, it's, I mean, like you said, it's not about you. It's it's not about me. It's about what Jesus is doing through our lives. And uh, yeah. So, um, Eddie, um, so I'm going to just give you the closing. Thank you, uh, Ryan, for coming on the show. Um, Is there anything you need to say before we um, sign off and then I'll just meet you in the lobby? Is there anything you need to say? I don't believe so. I mean, I, I did bring with me because I, I saw that, uh, you know, huge pop uh, wrestling. Your your podcast is uh, based on these guys here. These are the only two I actually own. They were gifts. That's sick. That's sick, one's, man. Uh, one's The Undertaker and one's uh, Ryan from The Office, uh, favorite TV right. show. So they were gifts from uh, a family friend of mine who, I mean, she's a huge pop fan. I don't know how many she's got, but she's got a huge collection of them. She buys them as gifts for friends. And then I've got as a, a little award that was made from one of our, our sister ministries, CWF West Texas. They give out little slammy awards. And uh, they uh, last year, I believe, or the year before, they gave a little this a little Ryan Hart that they painted that's, up. And so dude, I've got a Ryan sick. Hart. <laughs> that's sick. I need that, man. That's awesome. So, uh, so I did want to be sure and, and share that with you, give, give you some props there for uh, your unique podcast um i know i didn't get to to watch many and and i haven't been uh you know following uh long until i just met you but um but i I think it's cool what you're doing and uh you know we again i can't thank you enough um for for hearing having me on and and hearing my story and then hearing the story of the cwf um i'm looking forward to the opportunity we're gonna have for more guys to get to to be a part of it as well and um and then for sure if we can you know in part of getting the word out, I don't have it all memorized. I should have had it all written down. I just wasn't quite as prepared, but, uh, you know, we're, we're christianwrestling.com. That's our website. We've got a Facebook where we run most, a uh, majority of our social media stuff through. So most any, all of our YouTube uh, videos are, are put on there. Um, we are currently running two shows a month that are here in Fate, which is in the Rockwall, Texas area in DFW. Um, we've got one that's uh, we're calling Uprising which is kind of more uh, where we're kind of trying guys out, not necessarily that they haven't earned a spot, but they're just not um, full-time with us. They, they wrestle other areas. And so we, we bring them in for an opportunity. And then what we call CWF eternal, uh, which is the one where our, our you know main group of guys that wrestles on and, and our, our longest running kind of uh, storyline show runs out here in, in fate. But uh, those are all 
uh, turn right around within the next 48 hours typically and, and put out there on, on YouTube. Um, I want to say it's CWF Rockwall, but I think we got a couple different ones, so I'm not 100% for sure. But there's going to be those links on Facebook as well that take you back to our YouTube and uh, and and just you know follow us and subscribe and keep up with us. And even if you can't make it to Texas, uh, you can you can still be a part. And uh, whether it's, it's through donations or through prayer, I mean, pray for us. You know, we we've been on a few mission trips before. We were we were set to go on one to Costa Rica this summer, but it just didn't happen. So we're hoping that'll still work out in the next year or two, maybe. And and then of course just the traveling that we do. If if you're a church, whether you're you're involved in church or not, or you're just a church member, uh, we do school assemblies. I mean, there's so many different areas that we can help out in, and and you know introducing Christ to people. And so you want to bring us in and get in contact with, with uh, Rob Vaughn and, uh, and uh, he'll give you all the details and we'll see if we can't work together to help introduce uh, you and your, your whoever's in your community in your area, but, but introduce them to Christ through pro wrestling. Awesome, man. Thank you. Huge five wrestling fans. Thank you. I'm Rob Vaughn. Thank you. CWF for coming on. I'm going to play my exit songs on um, music. And if you just hold off and don't, don't jump off the thing. I'll talk to you in a little bit in a second. Okay. Extreme. 